CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And now the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at ChicagoReader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971 people we have made ben jarofsky show history i am like four and a half hours away in downstate illinois and ben jarofsky is in his attic in chicago illinois the Ben Jarofsky show is live, people. All right. You can't stop this show. No, it's uh, this is a setup for when I uh, actually take the show on the road to Hawaii. Oh, start yeah. doing the show as a remote from Hawaii. Uh, it won't be a remote. I'll be right there with you if you're going to Hawaii. <laughs> Let's go hang out outside a volcano. Drink some Mai Tai, smoke a little reefer. That's how you do it podcast all right Dave. how's it going everybody yeah we're uh, trying something different here i took a last minute trip i had a buddy he was in chicago he's also from uh downstate he went downstate i said you know what dude let me ride with you i'm bringing my equipment let's see if we can do this and here we are i am live in my mom's apartment and guys know my mom's not here all right so don't ask to have her on the show she's not here come on she's wait she's gonna sing the opening song with me i thought that was the deal we cut no no i i told her that and for some reason now she's gone so (laughs) all of a sudden she had that little ferrari and she took off oh hey claire what's up claire on the live stream chat she's back on the live stream chat what's happening you're joining us for a special i'm downstate Ben's yes, in Chicago. Oh we my god! This. For those wondering, also yes, I have Arby's. All right, it's uh, it's hanging out in the kitchen. So while we do our interview today with Adolfo Mondragon, I'm gonna be eating a little roast beef sandwich. All right, so good times. All right, let's get today's show underway here. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, March 11th. It's just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like. SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. That is correct. All right. The sound effects work from downstate too, Ben. <laughs> Wait, let me check this one. All right. We're in business. <laughs> well, they better. <laughs> Darren Bailey. Perhaps our next governor of Illinois. <laughs> The Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors, as well as the Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. Subscribe, all right, for all things there is to know, the city of Chicago, what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, uh, what to wear, (laughs) uh, you know, just all things, the city of Chicago. Go check it out, chicagoreader.com and chicagoreader.com slash Jarofsky. 
Ben works there too. J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. Ben, tell people about your book. Yes, I will. Love talking about this book. And uh, I, Dennis and I are going to do a special about this book. Yes, I'm announcing that here right now. We're going to do one of our classic bits where uh, Dennis interviews me. <laughs> I really love those. Uh, but uh, it was, you know, I'm looking through it right now. And the first article in it, is one that I thoroughly enjoy. And this article, you can't get it anywhere else but in this book because it's not online. It's so old, it's before the reader started uh, putting its articles online from April 4th, 1986, Central Committee in which Chairman Verdoliak, that's Eddie Verdoliak, is reelected and Alderman Mel acts like a jerk. I was there, folks. This is back in 1986. I was at that meeting where the central, uh, the committeeman for the, uh, the Democratic Party of Cook County met and convened. This is in the days of council wars. It's ancient history. But I was there. It's firsthand uh, reportage, uh, if you will. And I watched as the white committeeman. How about this, Chicago? What a city you have. The white cityman, the white committeeman, all rallied around Eddie Verdoliak, uh, and the black committee with a few white allies, a few of them, uh, voted for John Stroger. This is ancient history. John Stroger was Harold Washington's candidate to, to defeat Ed, Eddie Verdoliak for chairman of the party. And I observed some pretty funny things, uh, only in Chicago things, involving a certain alderman, Richard Mell. I wrote it up. I didn't write the headline, D, but I swear Alderman Mell held that thing against me where we called him a jerk for years. He wouldn't talk to me. Then his uh, son-in-law, Rod Blagojevich, wouldn't talk to me. And uh, people go, man, Ben, I don't know what you did, but Mel hates you. <laughs> He's always talking. He hears your name. He, that mother beep. Yeah, you know, time heals all wounds, D, and eventually Mel forgave me. Or maybe he forgot what happened. Who knows? But uh, he came to a first Tuesday. Uh, anyway, um, this is just one article. Uh, this is the opening article. And the second one has to do is the one where I mentioned Monroe Anderson. I'm going to talk about this when Monroe comes on the show. But it has to do with the great Leonina McLean. And uh, there was an event after she died, after she committed suicide. Clarence Page, uh, who was a Tribune columnist, put together a collection of her essays. And there was a book reading. This is December 19th, 1986. So if you just kind of want a sense of like a time capsule, go back in time. Uh, and these stories that I did were, how do I put this? It was, um, so it wasn't conventional reporting. I never, I actually never went to journalism school and I never learned, uh, I was never taught, I should say, how to write a conventional news story where you have the lead. I don't know if anybody out there has been to journalism school, but there's a basics 101 of how you write a story with a certain kind of lead. You, you try to put as much information at the top and as the story goes down, uh, it, the, the information that you put is supposedly less and less newsworthy. I can never understand that. I always like kind of like to tell a story. Uh, almost like a, a fable or a parable where you just let it unfold in its own way. And that was like, I, that was one of my first struggles uh, in this business of journalism because I just didn't, I kind of uh, rebelled against the conventional way of telling a story or writing a news story. At one point I had a job as a newspaper reporter and they made me kicking and screaming the whole way, uh, learn the ways of the business. And then I went to work for the Chicago reporter here uh, in Chicago, my first job in Chicago when I moved here in 1981, and they were very old school. They wanted they 
very much John McDermott, may you rest in peace, uh, the publisher, the reporter, uh, had the, the uh, old school way, you know, with the conventional leads. So I learned how to do it, but I didn't really love doing it uh, that much. And so it was just sort of a natural, I guess. It was inevitable that I'd find my way uh, to the reader, the alternative newspaper, which essentially encouraged its writers to follow their instincts on how they tell a story. So you could you could have sort of like a a, a fictitious like a like it was almost like a short story you were writing or fiction uh, where it's a sort of a long windy lead. Those older reader stories were very long, so you just had to have the patience to sit down and take the deep dive. And uh, I would be doing one one a week. One story for the reader a week. Uh, but things I'd seen in Chicago, go to meetings, go to events, and uh, go to rallies, uh, interview characters, and write it up. And, uh, yeah, D, it's just to me, when I go back and read this book, it just takes me back in time. And one of the things I like about it, we're going to talk about this when we do our special, is I have, uh, like, just a sample of all the Pat Quinn stories I did. I got a kick out of this. Our, our friend, Pat Quinn, former governor, Pat Quinn, who used to come on the show like all the time. I haven't reached out to him in a while. I will. But when Pat, when I first moved to Chicago, Pat was very much, he was kind of like me. He was on the outside. And um, so I was kind of attracted to him because, you know, outsiders attract one another. People are not part of the club. And uh, so he would be having these weekly press conferences. I don't know if they were weekly, but he would have routinely routine press conferences, pushing some initiative or another. And so, you know, I, I, I mentioned this, I must've done a half dozen Pat Quinn stories down through the years. Yeah. I think it was, the way it worked this way, D was after all the mainstream reporters turned him down, he would call me up, Ben, I, uh, I got a good one for you. And uh, I dutifully write it up. So I got two, I, I bookend them. The first Pat Quinn story I ever wrote, which is 1987, Dennis, 1987. Yeah, little Dennis was three years old in Alton, Illinois. Okay, he never heard of Pat Quinn. Uh, and then the last one I did was in 2016, where I, he got me to sign his petition for term limits. He broke me down, day. First, I was against term limits, but he had his petition going around. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. To, uh, uh, probably passed. The city is so corrupt. Don't get me started, D. Pat Quinn went out and gathered thousands and thousands of signatures to force a question on the ballot. Do, do the voters of Illinois, uh, do the voters of Chicago want to limit a mayor to two terms? It was clearly, obviously directed at one, Rahm Emanuel. And when they had the vote in 2018, Rahm took his lawyers, his lawyers went to court. And they got kicked, you know, of course the judges rule with Rom. Of course, if if you're a judge, I don't care what the case is. If you're a judge in Cook County in Chicago and you're looking at, hmm, I got Pat Quinn on one side, who's an outsider, and nobody uh, supports him on the inside, and Rom, the ultimate insider, who has pals with presidents, raise a million dollars like in a month. Whoa, who am I going to decide with? You know, so yeah, they they the the powers that be went with uh, Rom, and somehow we got to vote on it, but they wouldn't tally our votes. Remember that day I talked I, I talked about that forever. So I I believe that the voters passed uh, that uh, referendum, but uh, they didn't count the votes. Only in Chicago, ladies and gentlemen, that's your city. So anyway, I've got a just a couple of 
articles uh, from the book team. But you and I are definitely going to have, we're going to have a blast. I could see this. We're going to have a lot of fun doing that. You could make fun of me for being old and uh, talk about some of these great stories. So yeah, it's in the book. Ben Jarofsky's greatest. Hits. Those stories and more Chicago forward slash Jarofsky. The book's available now if you want to buy it. But if you become a bin head an avid listener of the Ben Jarofsky show, that's what we call our avid listeners. You can subscribe, give us a monthly fee there, and you will get a deal on the book. All right. This is hands down the longest intro we've ever had. Uh, your song of the day comes from Frank. It's Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Floyd. Frank, I love this song. I'm just going to say this. I love this song. I've loved it from the moment I heard it. And whatever, you don't hear it, you don't hear it in like oldie station, but you hear it on classic rock. We're kick off a little Floyd. Ten in a row. Start it off. A little brick in a wall. Just another brick in a wall, wall, wall. I love it at the end. Yeah, how can you have your meat if you don't have your pudding? Oh, wait. I think I flipped that D. You can't have your pudding if you don't have your meat. <laughs> but somebody corrected me the last time I blew that. Remember that D? The love ben, that song. The Ben Jarofsky show starts now. It is Thursday, March 11th, and live from my mom's apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's election lawyer and resident foul mouth, Adolfo Mondragon. And now your host, starting to become a resident foul mouth, I've noticed lately. <laughs> Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Got My Shot Thursday, and here's why. Because I got my shot. Yes. That is correct. I know you're think <laughs> Thank you, dear Amelia. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait, Ben. Just yesterday you were saying you were going to be getting your shot at the end of the month at the United Center. What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Yesterday's show ended, and I got an email from Advocate by uh, the hospital, the the, the the medical entity that controls my life. And it, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I knew I had this baby boomer panic that I get. I've talked about this before. Like, if I push the wrong button, the whole thing will go away. So, folks, I'm not really proud of what I did next. I called my wife at her beauty parlor, and she said she had a moment to spare. Boom! I ran right over to that beauty parlor, and my wife gave the phone to my wife, and I got a, an appointment for this morning at the ungodly hour of 10 a.m. Yes, yes, I was up with the wood choppers. That was me. I was up with the uh, the robins getting those birds, and, and uh, went right over to Illinois Masonic Hospital. And I just want to thank everyone involved. They couldn't have been nicer. They marched me in. They sat me down. A dude in medical gown came up and says, uh, "Do you have any allergies to shot, sir?" And I said, "No." And he says, "All right, big feller, roll up that sleeve." And I'm like, "That's it? You're going to do it?" And he goes, "That's it." And then pop, he bought me. Here's the problem, D. They made a mistake. Instead of giving me the vaccine, they gave me LSD. <laughs> One pill makes you leisure. That did not happen. <laughs> that did not happen, guys. 
suddenly I feel like I'm a brick in the wall. Just another brick in the wall. wow. No, that is just right. They did not give me LSD. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny, though? Oh, wow, man. Anyway, no LSD. But, you know, <clears throat> I was thinking all the waiting, all the complaining, all the anxiety, all the calling the shot line and emailing the shot line and the exasperation. Why am I the last person not to get an appointment? They don't like me. And then all of a sudden you get that appointment and it's like so anticlimactic. It's like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. They booked me for a second shot. And after that, I'm free. Folks, I'm going to go down to the lakefront and smoke a doobie with the guys hanging out on the rocks. Also, that is not not going to happen. (laughs) I haven't done that since the mid-70s, folks. I'm not really going to do that now, but I'm just trying to think of the most unlike social distance thing I could do. You know what I mean? To celebrate not having to worry about getting this disease. So I'm feeling a little optimistic today, folks. Usually I'm a you know, a little on the gloomy side. Feel a little, just a tinge. You know me, D, and I don't really like feeling optimistic. It's not really my thing. More that gloomy guy. But yeah, just I'm feeling like we are slowly, and I mean slowly, I mean it's like an inch forward and a half an inch back, but slowly coming out of that COVID cave. It was just like a year ago. I was talking to Dennis before we did the show. It was like a full year ago that we left our beloved student D for 10 trivia points. Let's see if you can answer this one. I don't think you could die. We did not do this in pre-show prep, folks, so we're going to, this is going to be a true test. Who Oh, it all works from Alton. Uh, who was the last guest in the, the studio for the Ben Drossi show? Young Dennis? Um, Jeff Johnson. No. Oh. Although he was, God bless him, he was ready to come in. Then I, come on, let's go. Love Jeff Johnson. Stood by me when I got fired. Love you, Jeff Johnson. Anyway, uh, Sergio Mims. Oh, that was my second guess. Damn it. <laughs> We're not going to say how Sergio predicted what he had to say there. Let's just put it this way. I would not go to Sergio for advice on the COVID. Anyway, after that, we got went into the cave. And I think about the year and all the uncertainty, people out of work, businesses closed, uh, me walking out into the street to avoid somebody on the sidewalk, that last ride on the subway. I still haven't been on the subway, D. Uh, heard a guy cough. I'm like, oh, God, can you cover your mouth? Just total madness, no rules. This has never happened. People figuring out it's going along. But yeah, damn. Getting that first shot. It's like we're almost out of it, man. I could, I could go out to eat. I could see a movie. I see a play. Go to a baseball game with my friends. Go to a basketball game at my friend's house. Maybe, 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 maybe this could be the start. Feeling pretty good, but you know me, D. I got to complain about something. Good, good. So, that, that's what makes this show, man. We can't can't have so you all not, positive and happy twenty four seven now. So this 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 cheery stuff about feeling good, huh? Thank God. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I know that. Hold on. Let me open the window and throw it out. Let the cat out of the bag, would you? All right. 
right. I'll tell you what, that COVID shot has not affected my special effects, huh? WTTW right now is going, oh, this guy's good. Anyway. <laughs> Whatever you want to believe, man. <laughs> WBZ is like, man, is there any way we can get this guy part of the team? So, uh, yes. Got to complain about something. So let me complain about, oh, Republicans. Republicans, I'm just going to be honest with you. You are worthless. Not one, not a single Republican voted for Joey B's COVID recovery bill. Oh, but they're going to be cashing those $1,400 checks. And if they're out of work, they'll be cashing those assistance checks. And if they run a city or a state, they'll take the cash to bail out their budgets. Oh, yeah, they'll take the money, but they won't lift a finger to make it happen. And you watch, folks. It's just going to be a matter of days before they send out their little computer attack ass about tax and spend liberal Dems. They'll take the money and rip the Dems for sending them the money that they're taking. What a bunch of frauds. Sorry, all you Republican listeners out there. I know you're out there. You don't want anybody to know, but I know you're out there. There's no other way to say this. But your party is worthless. And there's no shot that can cure that. We got a great show today, everybody. Adolfo Mondragon, as Dennis said, will be here, election law lawyer. He is fired up, D. I was talking to him before we went on the show. He's got this case against Danny Solis, the former alderman. Well, we'll get into the details when Adolfo comes here. But if he wins, and folks, it is a long shot. I began the show by talking about how Pat Quinn had no chance going up against Rahm Emanuel because you know the parties that be the powers that be in the state are not going to rule on Pat Quinn's favor when it's up against a powerhouse like Rahm Emanuel. So Dofo Mondragon, his lawsuit, is, if successful, could mean that Ed Burke and Michael Joseph Madigan have to pay their own legal bills. No way. D, no way, no, no way the state is going to let that happen. They'll concoct some legal excuse for it. That's why you go to law school, ladies and gentlemen, to make it up as you go along. But uh, I think you should all hear about uh, what Adolfo's cooked up and the case he's got. His uh, client is Byron Sixto Lopez, as a matter of fact, who was supposed to be on the show yesterday, but we had to cancel. But he'll be on the show uh, next Tuesday with Laureen, his wife. So anyway, Adolfo Mandragon, we're coming on. We're talking politics, 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 politics. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, who's back in Alton, and everywhere he goes in Alton, if he goes to Arby's, if he goes to Billy Bob's, it's always, hey, what's going on, Dr. D? With the news. How's it going, everybody? Don't know one person named Billy Bob. <laughs> and my name's Dennis. B-Y-R-O-N-S-I-G-C-H-O-L-O-P-E-Z. Oh, thank you very much, Alderman. Adolfo Mondragon will be coming on later. Guys, Get uh, let's get a count going on the live stream chat, all right? How many uh, F-bombs does Adolfo Mondragon drop today, all right? I'm going uh, 46. That's my number, 46. <laughs> yeah. What say you, uh, live stream chat? I'm going 46. Uh, 
What about you, Ben? What do you think? How many F-bombs is Adolfo <laughs> dropping today? Uh, just F-bomb straight up. Any word, any word with F, the F-bomb in it, right? Just, okay. Uh, I'd say 27. Okay. So Dennis, I'm ready. Dennis, 46. Uh, ben, 40, uh, 27. There we go. All right, cool. So Adolfo Mondragon coming on a little later. Uh, no, uh, Frank on the live stream chat. I do not know who Joe Bob Briggs is. <laughs> uh-huh. No, guys, but yes, uh, it's a Ben Jarofsky show first. I am downstate in Alton, Illinois. Uh, in fact, actually, I'm going out later tonight here. Uh, one second. I got to check something real quick. Hold on. I'm going to check. I'm going to give a check here. Hold on one second. Maybe getting done differently. Check the Alton weather. Hold on. Tom Lane State Farm, we're still here to help you get it done right. All right, cool. Give us a call at 618-377-8912. All right, weather. Vendor.com time is Thursday, March 11th, okay. 1.27 p.m. Flood watch okay. now in effect. Oh, my. Current Flood watch. Current temperature Flood is 52 watch. and light rain. Northwest Ooh. winds at 2.9 miles per hour with a wind chill of 52 degrees. Oh, boy. Today's Ooh. forecast. Thank you. Cloudy oh. and cooler with showers and thunderstorms, especially early in the day. High oh. of 54. All right. Low 45. Okay. Sunset at 6.04 p.m. Oh. All right. Cool. <laughs> Is it raining there? Yeah, it's raining. Raining right now. Downstate oh. Illinois. <laughs> It's sunny Sorry. in Chicago. I've been, I've been a little busy today. I had to check that weather real quick. All right. So, yes, downstate Illinois. We'll see how this goes. Um, kind of had a microphone issue there earlier. I think I figured it out. Uh, we're going to rock this bad boy out as long as we can here today. Adolfo Mondragon will be joining us very, very shortly. All right, guys. Let's do the local news. Happy anniversary. <laughs> this damn dirty coronavirus <laughs> pandemic is one year old. Hard to believe, really. Ben Jarofsky, let's go back to one year ago. Did you think March 11th, 2020, that we would be still talking about and living through this stupid thing on March 11th, 2021? No. Did not think that. I thought three months, maybe. No, did not think that at all. In fact, you and I were holdouts. Like, the reason why it's not exactly one year to the day uh, that we left the beloved studio is because if you recall, young Dennis, if you recall the uh, sun, <laughs> I just had a memory of the sun. Times. Uh, our beloved bright one, you know, bright one. I love you. I still subscribe to your newspaper, uh, but I don't know how much it goes both ways, but you remember D uh, they told everybody else. <laughs> They told everybody else, go home. Don't come back because uh, there's this dangerous disease out there. And nobody told Dennis and me. So we still kept showing up. It's awfully empty around here. What's going on? I think that it was like Ramada. <laughs> uh, ben, uh, <laughs> they've told all the employees who work in the building not to show up anymore. And I go, well, what are we? Chop liver. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, it's... We, we, we staggered on for I remember in like July, I'm like, all right, dude, I'm going to try and get us back in the studio. Let's do this. Let's go. Yeah. I was like, we, yeah. Yeah. How we, crazy we did you and I? Oh, yeah. We're just a little while. We're going to be back in my beloved studio. I love that studio, man. Uh, but what are you going to do? D life goes on and you, you adjust. And now it's suddenly like, hey, 
I could do the show while I'm in Alton, hanging around with my friends. What up, Alex? Or, hey, I could do the show from Hawaii. Let's go. Dennis is like, I'll go to Hawaii. You should do a GoFundMe. Send the Ben Jarowski show to Hawaii. So, We're not uh, yeah. doing a GoFundMe for us to go to Hawaii. <laughs> I, yeah, no, you're right. I did not expect this to be going for a year. And like I said, I got that shot today. And I had to, I, I was standing on the corner waiting for my wife to pick me up. And I was like, is this it? That's the beginning of the end. Like, this is, this is the start. We're going to emerge. But now I'm back in my attic and it's, I realized it's going to be another uh, three weeks before I get the second shot, another two weeks until I can, I'm cleared to go. So it's, it's really only the very, 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 very early beginning. So no D no, I did not expect us to be doing this a year from now. In a long year, it's been. So what time? Uh, so Ben, uh, you got your uh, Ben got his vaccine shot today. By the way, if you're just joining us, I don't know. It's not radio. I'm sure you've been joining us the whole time. But uh, Ben, you just what? When? What time did you get your vaccine shot? What time was that? It was t- uh, 10. 10 a.m. this morning. 10, 10 o'clock. I was up and early. I went over there to Illinois Masab D. Just like I said, it was just like a great thing. And 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 by the way, when you get your shot, you will get your shot. It's you go through all these different checkpoints. <laughs> uh, can I see an ID, sir? You show me your. I show my driver's license. Okay, go there. Three different checkpoints to show my ID, and then bam, in and out, man. All right, beat it now. They give me a little. Hey, you want to see my uh, band aid, D? Huh? Oh, you see my band aid. There's your band aid. <laughs> great. <laughs> I was wearing my um, good luck. Chicago Bulls t-shirt. I told the guy, I go, where are my good luck Chicago Bulls t-shirt? And the guy's like, okay, this one here. <laughs> where did he, what potato truck did he fall off? Of? Well, now I remember uh, before you got the shot, like right when the vaccine was starting to come around, I remember a phrase that you would always say is, uh, you know, let these other people get it and we'll see how they feel. So I haven't got the shot yet. How do you feel? Uh, well, like I said, man, <laughs> One pill makes you large, and another pill makes you small. You know, I, I feel okay. Now, I've, I've heard, my sources have told me, and I've got sources, that the second day is actually worse than the first day. I just oh, heard that. Get ready for so, tomorrow's show, guys. What a, you know how to sell this program. Tomorrow I got, on the Ben Jarofsky show. I got so many people booked up for tomorrow. I mean, I'm sending everyone contingency things. We have a great show tomorrow, folks. I know we should be concentrating on today's show. But, um, uh, D, I feel great. So I know I was that one guy. Well, you know, I'm going to let everybody else get the shot. And if nobody's dropping over dead from it, I think I'll, I'll get mine. Yeah, I may have said that a few times, D. Yeah, I may have said that. Yeah, I may be guilty of that. So, uh, yeah, got my shot. Feeling pretty good, D. Feeling pretty urging everybody, go get your shot. Dear friend of mine, Norm. Said he's not going to get a shot. Come on, Norm. Get that shot. Want the whole, all my friends together by June going to a White Sox game. Not going to see those Cubs. A White Sox game. All right. Find him uh, at a guaranteed rate field in June. Ben Jarofsky. Maybe he'll autograph uh, your book. His greatest hits book. 
All right, so since we're uh, going back into time, I went and found audio from one year ago from both our Illinois governor and our Chicago mayor on March 11th, 2020. They were both attending the same press briefing. So, well, there's one thing that has changed since then. Uh, But I have audio from one year ago. Like to hear it. Here it go. We begin with Governor J.B. Pritzker. Let's go back into time, guys. But we as elected leaders can't take any chances with the health of our residents because of what we've seen nationally and across the world of the increased risk of large gatherings. This was the right call. Now that we've reached the stage where we're seeing regular new coronavirus cases reflecting additional spread within our communities, we have to make every effort to minimize further spread as best we can. I want to thank the leaders that are standing with us today and to the leaders of counties across the state who are working on steps to mitigate uh, and protect our most vulnerable residents. One year ago today, Ben. You know, it sounded like a press conference that could have been happening at any time over the last year. You know what I'm saying? Do you sure you didn't just take that press conference from last week? I looked it up. I looked it up. No, but uh, I could. I had an image. I, I mean, that was just audio, folks. So I couldn't see it, but I had an image of JB at those first press conferences. The people with the masks. That was like the first time you saw public officials with masks. It was kind of shocking, you know. Well, you figure like a governor doesn't have to wear a mask because like powerful people don't get impacted by the stuff that hurts ordinary people. That's sort of the assumption, and then. I think Boris Johnson, I think he was the first that got it uh, of powerful people, uh, the uh, prime minister of England. And then, of course, President Donnie got it. So even President Donnie got it. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so I remember that when, when the, the early days of those covid press conferences uh, and Pritzker was uh, wearing his mask. And I was like, wow, it's kind of weird to see i had the video no one was wearing masks at this at this press conference this uh, one no pritzker wasn't uh lightfoot right. wasn't lightfoot in the background no oh, no yeah I, there was no no masks and uh lightfoot was even like doing the whole like whisper in someone's ear thing just you know like putting Whoa, her hand like that right was in the really pretty yeah. covid covid because yeah. but we did a two weeks guarantee no more whispering in ears yeah right wow Although she did get the haircut, just saying. Uh, is that a little memory from the COVID? Lori Lightfoot's haircut? Uh, do you have any uh, spots from uh, Lori Lightfoot to play? And I tested very positively <laughs> in a in another sense. So this morning, yeah, I tested positively toward negative, right? So, no, I tested uh, perfectly this morning. Meaning, meaning I tested negative. Boy, what a time that was, huh? <laughs> We do have audio from Mayor Lightfoot. Uh, Let's go back one year ago, March 11th, 2020. Well, we're going to continue the messaging around what should uh, be happening. Um, And yeah, certainly we'll be prepared um, if there are large gatherings. That's why we included not just the downtown parade, but the south side, the northwest side. And we'll be talking to um, other uh, folks who are hosting events um, this weekend. We've talked to the people at the Irish 
fellowship dinner on Friday night. We're trying to be as comprehensive as we can and give the guidance um, to make sure that we're keeping uh, the public safe. But in the event that there are large scale events, certainly our police department and our public health department will be prepared for that. Every single person I've talked to, and I know the governor shares this event, what we've got to put first and foremost is the public safety, the public health. That's what's most important. We want, we're in a containment mode and we're taking steps to make sure that we contain it. Of course, there's going to be an effect on our local economy, but I want to remind people, we have an incredibly diverse and robust economy here in Chicago and in the northern part of the state in particular. We have recovered and done better in some instances following the, the Great Recession in 2008 and 2009. Um, but, yeah, of course, there'll be some uh, impact. Yes, sir. <laughs> By the way, always, 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 it's one of my favorite moments to see the rabble of the reporters barking out their questions. We, and I got cut off at the end of Lori Lightfoot's comments. And I, I see whenever there's a movie in the, like uh, some kind of scandal and the, the person at the center of the scandal exits the federal courthouse or the courthouse where they're, uh, uh, they've appeared before a judge and the throng of reporters come at them. Are you guilty? The report, reporters get a bad... We don't look good in those movies, Steve. Just saying. Anyway, that brought back that memory. So nobody was wearing masks with that. I guess it was like what about another week or so before they got into the mask thing. Dave? Is that what it is? is that what it is? Uh, at the time, they didn't think they needed to wear masks because she's whispering in the ears. That's interesting. That uh, uh, and also, if you noticed, obviously she was talking about canceling the uh, St. Patrick's Day parade. I presume that's what she was getting at about talking about parades. But still, the emphasis on how great Chicago is, how strong Chicago is. We shall survive. That's something else I remember uh, about the early days of the uh, pandemic, the, the uncertainty that our leaders, not just Lori Lightfoot, but just in general, our leaders did not want to look like they were panicking. Remember that? Remember those days, days encouraging people, go out to eat. Still, no, help the businesses, go out to eat. And then, uh-oh, two weeks later, don't go anywhere, stay at home. Yeah, well, I think it was you that said it yesterday. Uh, it's the first time we ever had to deal with this. There were no rules. They are sort of just making it up as they went along. All right. And, you know, for the hell of it, it wasn't a year ago. It was about maybe like eight months ago. But let's go uh, back into time for one more memory. <laughs> I don't want an answer. It's not something you ignore. <laughs> You're 100% full of shit is what I think. You think we might have fuck you then? Who are you, you to tell me I'm full of shit? <laughs> oh my god. Ray Lowe, I love you. That's gotta be my favorite. Is that my favorite COVID memory? <laughs> no offense. Um, I would say technically anytime you're about to tell somebody to F off, notice I didn't say it, D. I'm preparing myself for the Adolfo interview. <laughs> By the way, good luck getting this Adolfo interview uh, on Lumpen Radio. I don't know, Raylo. Anytime you drop the F-bomb on someone, <laughs> they're probably going to get offended, even if you say no offense. Yeah, it turns out uh, it's not how no offense works. <laughs> no offense, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> no offense, but the most offensive thing I could say to you. Oh my god. <laughs> what a city, folks. We have we could have lived anywhere. This is where we decided to live, Chicago, Illinois. No offense, Madam Mayor. <laughs> All right, and I know we're talking about the mayor, but let's go back to the governor. The enemy is you. Well, I've never. <laughs> Shout out to Shia Kapos in Illinois Politico uh, for their hard work here. It says here, a new poll shared with Illinois Politico indicates that Illinois residents have a mixed opinion about Governor J.B. Pritzker who has now spent a third of his term managing the coronavirus pandemic. The survey conducted by 1892 polling, a firm that conducted former Governor Bruce Rauner as a client during his successful 2014 gubernatorial campaign. Uh, It shows 40.6% of Illinois residents view Governor Pritzker favorably compared to 41%. And well, my favorite, 18% of the people asked said, oh, I don't know what the hell are you talking about? Huh? Who? We have some more information to go over this here, but Ben, your initial thoughts on uh, what we just talked about here. Well, you know, I'm with you uh, This on one point. The undecided at any poll. <laughs> I just, it's always my favorite part. I'm not taking a stand. Uh, I don't really trust you. I had never really heard of J.B. Pritzker, so I'm just going to wing it. I haven't made up my mind yet. <laughs> ah, that's a tough one. Can I call you back? <laughs> that's the ultimate duck and dodge of a poll. Uh, I haven't really made up my mind. Uh, you know, what's it to you? What am I, I going to get out of this? All right, that was my initial response, just that 18% undecided. Uh, a little bit of skepticism, Dean. You know, I'm going to just uh, express this at the, at the start. This is uh, Bruce Rauner's polling firm. They're pollsters of the Republican persuasion. A uh, little skeptical. You know, skepticism is a healthy thing to have. So it's like when the mayor's people call me up and tell me our internal polls show us that the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, is more popular than the Beatles. I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Oh, you know, then I think it's the mayor's internal polls. I'm always a little skeptical, D, just a little skeptical of a partisan pollster uh, and then publishing it this way. It's, you know, it's just, there's a, a, a difference between what a poll and propaganda and uh this is intended i think to uh, get started the republican campaigns against pritzker put in the people's minds that somehow pritzker is vulnerable uh getting reporters talking like when they sit around the table at wttw for the news affairs show so Mary Sue, a poll just came out showing Pritzker was uh, only viewed favorably by 40%. And Mary Sue will say, I know uh, Governor Pritzker has been battered uh, by people's attitudes about the COVID. Uh, it's going to be a long shot for Governor Pritzker. See, so get it in their heads. It's a good tactic, D. So I'm a little skeptical as to how valid that poll is. There we go. There went that positivity we were having about 10 minutes ago. 
That's what we need. All right. We need that skepticism, sir. All right. Let's see here. Uh, we have some information. We're going to read more from this poll here. Uh, it says interviews were done February 17th through the 21st by cell phones and landlines. Oh, boy. Uh, for the- <laughs> Who'd they get on the landline? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Did they get Phyllis? <laughs> they may have gotten Phyllis. I think Phyllis is in that poll. No wonder it's so hostile to Pritzker. She's not a fan, D. Not a fan. And it says here the poll states 39% of respondents identified as Democrats, 25% were Republican, and 27% independent. And many had mostly favorable views of the Black Lives Matter movement, police officers, teachers union, and their local school boards. All right. So let's find out the numbers here. Let's take a look at this poll. Uh, that Ben's calling hogwash on, quite frankly. Right. <laughs> Those words were not mine. Uh, those were Dennis's, but uh, I believe they're applicable. He's calling hogwash, people. All right. So I'm pulling up this poll right now, and we will see what the numbers are. A downstate show, guys. I'm down. <laughs> I'm in my mom's apartment. Crazy, right? <laughs> it's not that funny, Ben. All right. It's- you know, so he, you'll get out of that apartment, T. Just be patient. You know, you'll you'll make your way up out of the basement. Ma! My favorite show. What was it? The uh uh Wedding Crashers. Ma! Remember Will Farrell in the basement, his mom's house. All right. So let's see here. Uh so they asked this poll here, uh, whether they favor it or don't favor it or no opinion. Uh, let's do the Black Lives Matter organization here. According to this poll, 48% found Black Lives Matter favorable, 36% unfavorable, and 15-7%. I don't know. What are you asking me this for? <laughs> Those numbers surprise you at all. Uh, yeah. Not really. Those no- numbers don't surprise me. Again, it's a Republican poll. And um, I remember that in right after, God, man, time has just flown by, but right after uh, George uh, Floyd was murdered in Minnesota and there was those initial protests, there was a much higher favorable rating in polls for Black Lives Matter. And then, of course, as the summer wore on, protest uh turned uh to uh violence in many cities having nothing really to do with black lives matter i might point out uh, uh, the tide began to turn and then of course donald trump's propaganda machine just began unleashing attacks linking black lives matter to uh rioters again no correlation whatsoever but it doesn't stop republican uh, propaganda machine from making one and so then you saw polls of Black Lives Matter's popularity falling, their favorability rating falling. So 48 to 36 in a Republican poll, I'm not surprised. The 15%, again, is hilarious. I guess it's very, it's like within the margin of error. So it's basically the same number of people who said they have no opinion about Pritzker. They're not going to say they got an opinion. That's all there is to it. They don't trust the guy. I don't know. You think they just make these numbers up, the 
You think the pollster uh, like yeah, asked? There's a good chance. Uh, yeah, I want to know. I want to know the number of people who didn't answer on their landline. That's the number I want. I'm like, you know, let's let's try to figure out a poll number that will look good. I, what if we say it's like split? Then everyone, oh, well, must be a good poll and split. All right. Well, well, I know you called hogwash and Frank on the live stream. Chad calls the poll bullshit. But listen, all right, <laughs> there's more to go here. <laughs> Teachers uh, unions. Teachers unions on this poll. All right. Uh On a poll asked uh, Illinoisans their thoughts on teachers unions. 51.5% favorable. 30.8% unfavorable. And 17.7%. Teachers, you know, what is a union? What? Not going to take a stand no matter what you say. You know what, Dave? Starting to think the whole thing was made up. I'm just saying. So if I could, if this poll is accurate, Black Lives Matter is more favorably viewed in the state of Illinois than Governor Pritzker and teachers unions are more favorably viewed than Black Lives Matter and Governor Pritzker. Uh, I don't know. D, I'm just saying, I think this poll's point is he's not even popular among people who like Black Lives Matter. Back to you, Dennis. Interesting, interesting results from a poll from Bruce Rauner's polling firm shows that Governor Pritzker is more unpopular in the state of Illinois than Black Lives Matter. Back to you, Dennis. Thank you. So, I am coming live from. Oh. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I think you're being fed propaganda. Let's think they're opening that little brain of yours and pouring it in. And pour a little more in and mix it up. Well, let's go through some more of this propaganda, huh? Let's let's do a few more here. Uh, They asked a question to Illinoisans on this poll from 1892. The question, do you think public universities in Illinois are too liberal, too conservative or fair and bad? What's so funny? Or fair and balanced in the way they teach students too liberal. 34.9%. Too conservative, 6.1%. Fair and balanced between political perspectives, 35.6%. I don't know. What are you talking about? Unsure. Wait, who who is the unsure? What was it? 23.5. What a dumb question. You could tell Republicans did this poll. What a dumb question. This this question plays into this Republican talking point, propaganda piece, that somehow or other, there's this great mountain of liberal, what, robots teaching our children in schools? Like, they, the conservatives, are in these I don't, I really... You know, you got one radical teacher here, another radical teacher there. Most teachers pretty much play it safe. The overwhelming majority of uh, teachers have uh, offered no political opinions whatsoever. And somehow or other, the people who emerge from our universities are not radicals. And I could say this 
being a radical, okay? I'm on the losing end of pretty much every election. But that doesn't stop Republican propagandists from saying they're brainwashing our children. Mary Miller and her husband were just saying this. Congresswoman Mary Miller, which got in trouble for saying Hitler was right. When she said Hitler was right, she was saying Hitler was right that you have to brainwash young people at an early age. So she wants to brainwash young people. So that is just a, a, a Republican talking point right there. Do you think they're too liberal? Well, I'll tell you what. If they're trying to indoctrinate the youth of America and lefty policies, they're failing. The Democrats were up against the worst president in the history of the United States, Donald John Trump, a con man, doesn't pay his taxes, repeatedly lies, represents the party that's supposed to be all about family values and was cheating on his wife with a stripper right after his wife gave birth, and they barely beat him. (laughs) Electoral college. They barely beat him. And the Republicans split the Senate and are right there within shouting distance in the House. So if you're telling me that the universities of our country are brainwashing their students to fall in line behind leftist propaganda, they're doing a pretty crummy job of it. That's D. Now I have less respect for this poll than I did when you first started it. Well, I think we got to just do one more and just round it out and see how we really feel about it. Okay. Uh, live stream chat here, Jim. Uh, I'm downstate hanging, uh, doing the show at my mom's apartment today. Uh, we'll be doing it tomorrow as well. Uh, Jim asks if I and Darren Bailey are going to meet up for a pork steak dinner this weekend. No, but, uh, the first thing I ate when I got in uh, town was pork steak. You better believe it last night. Boom. That's a pork you, steak. You're hanging out with DB. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I'll hit him up. I'll see. I'll see if you want. <laughs> maybe get an exclusive uh, Denny interview, huh? A dinner interview. Huh? A Ben Jarofsky show exclusive with Darren Bailey. But first. Maybe I'll do that. I don't know. I'll look into that. See. Uh, say, uh, so, Darren, who is going to feed them hogs when you run for governor? <laughs> all right. Let's do one more from this poll. All right. Ben hates okay. this poll, by the way, guys. If you can't tell. <laughs> my favorite poll ever <laughs> you can't stand the poll all right uh, somehow the poll got x'd out of my computer so now i have it right here okay let's do one more question it was a really good one let's see here okay here we go generally speaking illinoisans do you think americans are too politically correct not politically <laughs> correct enough or just right when it comes to political correctness. The question, once again, do you think Americans are too politically correct, not politically correct enough, or just right when it comes to political correctness? Too politically correct? 42.2%. Not politically correct enough? 30.3%. Just right when it comes to political correctness, 10.2%. Habita, habita. Unsure. Dude, this is what they call a push poll. A push poll is, is, is a campaign tactic where you feed, you talk about propaganda, <laughs> you feed ideas to people. 
So this is a Republican poll. Who even thinks about political correctness? All right, no way, no way. It's true. If you get in trouble, if you say something offensive and you get in trouble and you have to pay a price for it, people that like you will go, well, that's the problem with our country today. Too much political correctness. You know, when in reality, it's just sort of like generally people want to be treated with respect and don't want to be insulted and don't want to be reduced to a social stereotype. That's just the reality. All of us do. But when somebody we disagree with, politically speaking, speaks up on their behalf to protect themselves from insults, that well, it's political correctness. And everybody just falls in the line. And so this is this great Republican notion that somehow or other, all their great ideas are being repressed, or as they would say, being canceled. I'm surprised they didn't call it wokeness, D, or cancel culture. I'm, I'm surprised there isn't a question about woke. Are we too woke as a country? Are we woke enough? Or <laughs> should we be more woke? And then the, the same 17 to 18%, I don't know, beats me. So this is classic Republican propaganda. And by the way, good luck insulting a Republican. They will start sobbing. How dare you? You're an elitist. You're a snob. You think you're better than us. You think you're, you think you're better than our religion. You think you're better than our, where we live. You know, if you insult a Republican, they turn into the biggest snowflakes in the world. But they want to have the right to insult anybody they disagree with. And then if there's a response, like, oh, well, that's what's the problem with our country. Too much wokeness. We're seeing this with the Meghan Merkel thing. I, I, I totally underestimated that one. You know, I, I, I'm like, who cares about the royal family in this country? I thought we went to war. Uh, you know, we had a revolution to break away from uh, the notion of a monarchy. Nobody will care about that. Boy, was I wrong about, hello, wrong, wrong, wrong. It's people on both sides are furiously fighting over that one. But I'm seeing how it just, because it's a woman of color, made a complaint about racism in uh, the royal family. It's like MAGA is outraged. How dare she? The same, so many of the people who utter racial remarks all their t- all their life, and I hear you know, D. Hmm. We've been there. We all know what people say. Like when no one's around, we've been there. We've heard all kinds of things. But then, like if someone says, points them out, calls them out for it, they go, "Well, you're just too woke, too politically correct." So D, that was the giveaway. That was the dead giveaway. Well, the, no, I guess the first one about the college campus professors, where they're feeding our children too much liberal propaganda. Ah, it was a dead giveaway. Open brain, insert propaganda, cl- mix it up, close brain, send you out, vote for Darren Bailey. I am going to vote for Darren Bailey. Well, now maybe it's just because I've been in downstate for over 12 hours, but I kind of <laughs> liked the poll. 
By the way, any Pritzker side, suck sides? I haven't see. looked. I haven't looked. Uh, I'll be on the lookout today. I'll, I'll take yeah. a walk around and I'll like uh, I'll give a count. Maybe that'll be tomorrow's show. I'll give a count of how many Pritzker suck sides I've seen. We uh, don't believe that story about Dennis going to visit uh, his friends and family uh, downstate. We dispatched him to downstate. Uh, Dennis, this is pre-show planning in the Ben Jarowski show. Tomorrow there'll be a poll by Bruce Runner's polling firm that will say JB's in trouble. What we're going to do, we're going to send you downstate. I want you to count JB Pritzker's suck signs. Got it? Get in that car and go. That's how we do it in the Ben Jarowski show. I don't have a car. Okay, uh, everybody, don't go anywhere. Adolfo Mondragon is going to be coming up. We're going to be talking with him. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarowski shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more. ChicagoReader.com and wherever else you download podcasts. If you're listening on the download right now, check us out live sometime. 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time on the Chicago Reader YouTube channel. And if you're feeling crazy, join the live stream chat. Hang out with Jim, Frank, Stephen, Ricky Tricky, Mike Girardi, Jay Marie, Jim, Doogie, all of them. Hang out with them on the live stream chat. Don't go anywhere. The Ben Jarowski Show will be right back. The enemy is you. And I tested very positively in a in another sense. So this morning, yeah, I tested positively toward negative, right? So, no, I tested uh, perfectly this morning. Meaning, meaning I tested negative. I want an answer. I want an answer. I want an answer. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit, is what I think. If you think we won't fucking fuck you then, who are you going to tell me I'm full of shit? Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J, take it away. You know, usually on the Ben Jarofsky show, I'm the one who gives my guests homework to send them articles that they should read that will help us with our conversation. Uh, in this case, the roles reverse. Adolfo Mandragon, election law lawyer, uh, sent me a voluminous 
I'm just telling you, a voluminous document <laughs> filled with briefs and newspaper clippings and uh, uh, transcripts of court proceedings. And I took a look at it. I go, yeah, well, okay, whatever. And then, <laughs> then he, like, he, I'm talking to him on the phone yesterday. He goes, uh, did you read that stuff? And I go, oh, of course not. He goes, oh, just going to wing it, are you? Huh? <laughs> so I said, all right. He guilt tripped me, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he guilt tripped me. I read the whole freaking thing, Adolfo, okay, while I was getting my shot. I'm like, the guy's going, oh, could you move your arm? I go, no, I got to read this brief from Adolfo. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to get into uh, the specifics of a very important lawsuit uh, that Adolfo filed on behalf of his client, Byron Cisha Lopez, a frequent guest on the show. We'll be on the show on Tuesday, by the way. Um, fascinating lawsuit and could have a huge impact on politics in the state of Illinois. If the judges rule in your favor, Adolfo, right now, as I told you before, I'm going to say it again. I got my money in Vegas that you're going to lose because you're going against the powers of me. <laughs> and in this town, man. Uh, so we'll get into a lot of other stuff, too, because I got to ask you about Joe Biden. I got to ask you about, uh, oh, Ed Burke and Michael Madigan. Uh, and just the state of the Democratic Party. I know you have a lot of interesting things to say about that stuff. As a Bernie supporter, really curious what your thoughts of Joe Biden are right now. But let's start with your lawsuit, folks. This is really important. Get your paper out, get your pencils out, get your uh, uh, start taking notes because a lot of important issues that have been raised by uh, Adolfo and Byron. Uh, essentially, you are challenging the ability of politicians who are under indictment or in trouble with the feds uh, to spend money that comes to them as campaign contributions on the defense legal fees. Uh, in this case, you're going after Danny Solis. Uh, why don't you take it from there, Adolfo? Go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, I mean, I guess the way we're framing it is, is just a little bit broader in that we're asking the courts to hold a bright line rule and say, look, um, campaign, <clears throat> Uh, money cannot ever be used for legal fees that are related to uh, criminal defense because they're not related to a campaign uh, of any kind. And so, um, and that ensnares basically situations like Danny Solis's where um, politicians get in trouble and then instead of out of, you know, paying out of their own pocket for their legal defense, they dip into the money from their campaign committees and they use that money to pay their lawyers to defend them, uh, ironically against, uh, allegations that they were, uh, not behaving well while they were in office. And so it's kind of a double whammy, right? One, you're using campaign related money for non campaign related matters. But on top of that, in this specific instance, <laughs> you're using it also to defend yourself against, allegations that you were a corrupt person in office. Um, so this practice has um, occurred because the Illinois Board of Elections has had this kind of blanket rule that so long as you uh, report that you used this campaign money for legal fees, but don't describe what they were for, that that's good enough for them and they're not going to go in asking further questions about whether or not these were campaign related legal fees or not. So they, so over the years, you know, as long as you report on your uh, uh, disclosure that you used X amount of money for legal fees, that's it. No more, just legal fees. They won't go on a fishing expedition to 
see what those legal fees were about. Now, my theory is that probably over the long course of, you know, these political campaigns, most people who reported legal fees were reporting legal fees for campaign-related matters because we all have to remember that uh, politicians have to hire attorneys, most of them, to submit their uh, candidacy papers, to defend themselves against objections, to maybe do a voting rights uh, lawsuit. To oh, There's all sorts of legal matters that are campaign-related, right? And in fact, in this town, you pretty much better hire an attorney if you want to get on the ballot. So there are legitimate uh, legal fees that are related to campaign matters. The problem comes in when you just basically say, disclose, I use these for legal fees, but then you dig a little bit more and you find out that these legal fees weren't campaign related. They were so that you could pay uh, these expensive law firms to defend you from uh, allegations of uh, corruption coming from the federal government. And now, while I suspect some of these things happened in the future, in the past, they probably were small amounts, you know, that got under the radar. But what brought it to my attention was that in the past couple of years, there have been prominent uh, politicians who have gotten in trouble with the government and because of that have been using what I call obscene amounts of campaign money. Not $1,000 here or $10,000 there. We're talking about $200,000 $400,000, maybe over a half a million dollars to pay for legal fees that are for matters of personal defense against either civil lawsuits or against criminal lawsuits or cr criminal charges and that have nothing to do at all with uh, that person running for office uh, in any matter. And so uh, this, so, so the, the, the Board of Elections has been happy to just say, so long as you put legal fees, that's fine. We don't have any beef with that. We're not going to look into it because we have to look through so many disclosures that, you know, we're not going to look at every time somebody says legal fees because 90% of the time they're going to be legit, right? Mm -hmm. So over the years, they've just accepted the fact that sometimes these politicians have used it for non-campaign related matters because they have this blanket policy. And now they're stuck with guys like Burke and Madigan and Solis and God knows how many other people dipping into that fund instead of into their own pocket to finance their legal defenses. And I think that's wrong. Byron thought that was wrong. And, and to Byron's credit, he was brave enough to sign that complaint and stand as the complainant before the board and say enough is enough. We can't let, we can't assume that all legal fees are campaign related. We have to look into these matters when there is evidence that they are not in fact campaign related and that's what we're arguing oh. arguing now but first of all let me give a shout out to virus issue lopez this is to follow up what you said it took a lot of guts to do that uh because the implications of this lawsuit and i give a lot of a shout out to adolfo as well it takes a lot of guts on his part you're you're a persona non grata in this town politically speaking. <laughs> but what he is doing right now is going to make him public enemy number one and byron is an elected official he's already got Lori lightfoot mad at him now he's got Burke and Maddie and Solis mad at him. Uh, so a lot of guts uh, on Adolfo's part and Byron's part. So let me just say that. Uh, all right, let's go back to Danny Solis. As far as I know, has not been officially charged with any crime. Have I, am I forgetting something? He, of course, uh, got caught up in something 
nefarious and as a result agreed to wear a wire and become a sort of a federal informant. Uh, and uh, his job or one of his main tasks was to try to get dirt uh, on Ed Burke. So he would was taping his conversations with Ed Burke. And that's how this story exploded in the newspaper. And this is just this is just one of my favorite little moments about this story. And I roughly November of 2018, uh, I want to say, uh, Danny Solis announced he was not going to run for re-election as alderman of the 25th Ward, even though he's one of the most powerful aldermen in the city council. He was the head of the zoning committee. He wanted to spend more time with his family and his Close ally, Mayor Rahm, said, oh, man, what a great public servant Danny Solis has been. I really hope you have a great time spending uh, time with your kids. Uh, and, you know, God bless you. You've earned the right to be with your family. Uh, it was just like a weepy moment where they were, like, hugging each other, at least virtually. And Danny was like, that's it. I'm through with politics. I just want to be with my family and just love them. And then <laughs> sometimes <laughs> Sometimes drop. It's why you can't believe a thing they say, people. Sometimes drops this headline: Danny Solis wearing a wire, and all of Chicago's like, "Huh? I thought he was quitting to spend more time with his kids." I'm a Chicago, and I believe whatever they say. So, this is key to your lawsuit. Yes, because um, because I could because there's there's several ways I could win at the appellate level. I could win, but the big win would be that the court would be like, you're right, Adolfo. The way we read this statute means that before you could spend any campaign funds, they have to be for campaign-related expenses. And this is not one. I win big victory because now that means that all these legal fees that are not for campaign-related matters are illegitimate, right? That's the big win. I could still win uh, two other ways. I could win... um, Essentially, they say, well, in this case, uh, uh, we agree that this particular expenditure or whatever was not legitimate. Uh, and then the third way I could win is if they say, okay, you read the statute wrong. The state board is right. Uh, there is some connection between these fees paid to the lawyers because if he's convicted somehow in the future, maybe if he ever runs again, you know, he won't be able to run again. Right. And that's how it's connected to a campaign related matter. But um, you're right. Under the facts here, Danny Solis on the day he spent this money was no longer in the business of running for office because he himself had retired. He publicly said it, he took his pension um, and he did, he did, he didn't run for the two offices that he held so all the facts indicate that on the day that he spent this money, he had no political future because he himself had said, I, I don't have a political future. I am retiring and therefore you win a But it's a very, very narrow winning because now you basically have to be retired not to be able to use it for your legal defense. But I'll take it. If, if that's what they give me, I'll take it. But the big win would be no Adolfo, you're right. The statute says, that before you can use this money, it must be campaign related. And as a matter of law, money that you spend to defend yourself against criminal charges is not campaign related ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Well, uh, I have to say, I gotta, uh, I gotta give uh, Danny Solis uh, this bit. He's no dope. 
Uh, he went out and hired a pretty good uh, defense lawyer, a pretty good election law lawyer, Michael Dorf. Yes, he did. Uh, to argue his case. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite a, a showdown, a battle of heavyweights, Adolfo Mondragon versus Michael Dorf. I, I think Michael Dorf went to Columbia Law School. Am I correct on that one? Yeah, uh, I believe so. University of Chicago undergrad. And, and Adolfo was reversed. He went to Yale. Uh, undergrad in University of Chicago Law School. So they have a, a sort of a gentleman's agreement, as I understand it. Whoever loses is going to have to say the other school's fight song. <laughs> so Dorf, get a better, better study up on that Yale fight song. No, Dorf's like, I got him. I got to win this case. <laughs> uh, but Michael Dorf comes back and he says, and here's his argument. And he won this. He won. The, he Just point well, out. He, actually, no, no, no. Let me technically correct you. He won, but he didn't win on any of his arguments. They made another, they gave another reason. But go ahead, you could tell what oh, his. I, the his argument, he goes, there's 11 reasons. I think it was Dorf that said this. Maybe it was the, uh, maybe I'm mixing up Dorf with the uh, uh, the uh, hearing officer. But they said to you, Adolfo, Adolfo, there's 11 reasons stipulated uh, in, there's uh, 11 expenses stipulated in the state law that you absolutely cannot spend election funds on like getting a haircut can't spend it on right. but it doesn't say anything about hiring it doesn't specifically stipulate that you cannot spend money hiring a criminal defense lawyer so therefore uh if the the legislators didn't stipulate it they didn't mean for it to be in the law right. so sorry you lose your response right. to uh, that argument. And, and that's a very, that's a very softest argument. It's a very smart argument. Um, it sounds really, really, you know, plausible and reasonable, but it's not for these reasons because the state law defines what an expenditure means. And the expenditure, according to the law says that it must be campaign related, must be related. The expense must be related to you, uh, either running for office, running for re-election, or, or running for um, uh, uh, so you have to be in the in, in a campaign running for an office essentially, and uh, and so his argument the law, the part of the law that he's talking about says the following expenditures expenditures as defined by the by the code are not allowed and then it, it denotes eleven specific reasons. Well, the way I read it, and I think that the correct way of reading that is it means that. Because it's an expenditure, it must first, before we go into the 11 reasons, as a threshold matter, it must first meet the definition of what an expenditure is. So in other words, there's a two-part test. The first part of the test is, is this use of money an expenditure? And then if it is, if it is campaign-related, we have to take a further look into it. Is it an expenditure, but one that we don't like and therefore is illegitimate? And these are 11 expenditures of that type and what uh mr dorf is saying is that well all legal fees are expenditures but that's not correct because as we both know there are some legal fees that are campaign related and other fees that are not so for example if i'm a candidate for office and i use campaign money to go to an attorney to do estate planning you know uh, tell me to do a revocable living trust and to put my assets here or there and i use campaign money for that well I don't think that's campaign related. It's a legal fee, but it's not campaign related. Now, on the other hand, if I use campaign money as a politician and say, hey, Adolfo, can you help me prepare my candidacy papers for my reelection? Yes, that's campaign related. That's a legitimate legal use. 
So Mr. Dorff's argument basically assumes as a precondition that all legal fees are an expenditure and can't, and therefore can't be related. And therefore you have to look at these 11 reasons. You have to bypass the first part of the test and go into the second part of the test. And I'm saying you don't even meet the first part of the test because the use here is not an expenditure as defined by the, by the code. We don't even get to the 11 reasons that are the 11 purposes that are, are strictly prohibited. But you don't even meet that standard. You don't even meet the threshold. And that's what his argument assumes. So it's very sophist in that way. Well, uh, I would say, going back to the original point I made, uh, that he has the advantage, and I'll tell you why and get your response to this. If you're, uh, if they rule in your favor, it's an appellate court. If the appellate court rules in your favor, it could their decision could be immediately applied to the cases of Ed Burke and Michael Madigan. Ed Burke and Michael Madigan are both, uh, well, Ed Burke was literally indicted. Michael Madigan is uh been tied to this larger investigation of Commonwealth Edison, and both of them are spending a lot of money on defense fees with their right. lawyers, and they're using campaign treasure chests to fund those defense uh, fights. So if the appellate court says Adolfo's right uh, and Danny Solis is wrong and Danny can no longer spend uh, your campaign cash on your defense fees, it's going to apply to two of the most powerful Democrats in the state of Illinois, two of who used to be, I would probably say, the most powerful Democrats in the state of Illinois, but still have a lot of clout, still have a lot of friends, particularly in judicial circles, because they had so much to do with the slating of judges throughout the state. So it will, there will be wide-ranging ramifications, Adolfo, if the appellate court rules in your favor. And that is my very cynical, been living in Chicago <laughs> too long uh, attitude about the judges. Uh, please explain to me why I'm way too cynical uh, for my own good. Go ahead. Well, I think that your your cynicism is 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 grounded in in some good history. And I think that the, the reason why this practice has been allowed in the first place is precisely because of the clout that the people who are doing this have. Right, so you just put legal expenses, we'll take your word, they're campaign related, move forward, there's nothing to see here, right? Uh, but uh, I think there are a couple of things, uh, you know, when you put your uh, finger to the wind to see where the wind is blowing, I think that the wind is changing now in that, like you said, some of the people who are doing this or practicing this, uh, using campaign money to pay for their private legal defense, you know, are, are on their way out, are on their way down, you know? And so that is perhaps a signal to the courts that maybe the, the threat or the fear of retribution from these powerful people is not as, um, you know, is not uh, a, as much of a concern now. That's one thing. Two, and I was, I, I told you this off, off, the, um, off, the, off the air, is that a very interesting thing has occurred in this case at the appellate level in that whenever you appeal something against a state agency, the attorney general's office is assigned to represent that agency before the appellate court. Now, remember, the, the Illinois board is going up as the winner here. They won. They made their decision. I lost. My client lost. So all they have to do is just write a brief defending the decision of the hearing officer and giving all the reasons why the appellate court should sustain those uh, reasons. But they've chosen in this case, interestingly enough, I've never seen this before, 
they have chosen not to defend their hearing officer with a written brief. They said, you know what? No, we're not going to write one. That's fine. We'll we'll leave it up to uh, Mr. Solis's committee uh, to write one if they want to do so. And they have. Uh, Danny Solis's committee, represented by Mr. Dorf, has written their own sets of arguments of why they sh- this uh, ruling should be upheld. But the board itself, interestingly enough, is not defending their position. I've never, ever seen that ever, ever happen. And if I'm an appellate court judge and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, well, you know, the main defendant is not even writing anything to defend themselves. That's telling me that they're waving the white flag or at best they're saying, eh, if you want to rule against us, go ahead. We don't mind. You know, so it's a very interesting situation in that one, the people in power, the very powerful people are doing this because there are other people who are not as powerful who are also practicing this. We, you know, that there are more people indicted, you know, currently in other cases that are not as, you know, cloud heavy as these individuals. They're also doing this practice, but also the board itself has chosen not to submit a written argument defending its position. That's really odd. And to me, that signals like, well, maybe we've thought about it. And you know what? If you want to overturn us, we don't care. And and the third thing is, if you've read the do- documentation I gave you, when we went before the board, there were many board members. They've ultimately voted against us. And their argument was like, well, the law doesn't require it. So our hands are tied. But many of them were vociferous that they thought that what Danny Solis did was a very disreputable thing and that politicians should not be able to use campaign funds to pay for their criminal defense. So at least three or four of those board members were on my side sympathetically, but they ultimately said, well, we're just a board. We, Unless the, the law says specifically no legal fees for this, we're not going to overrule it. But that was another wink to the appellate court saying like, look, if you want to change this or you want to interpret it differently, go ahead. Because we think what Danny Solis did was, was not correct. All right. Well, uh, we'll end this, this uh, particular discussion right there. Uh, I'm, I'm, for what it's worth, and it's worth nothing because I don't sit on any appellate board. Um, I'm not a hearing officer, but I think it's absurd and ridiculous that uh, – politicians can use money that somebody gave to them for a campaign expense on a criminal defense. I just think right. that well, abuses you, know, you, could, you could do hypotheticals. Well, what if he was defending himself against a, a charge of first-degree murder? Would it be okay to use the campaign fund for that? It's a criminal charge. It's a legal defense. You know? Um, so there's all sorts of little hypotheticals you could talk about in terms of, well, is that legit? Is that not legit? Well, what makes it legit, right? And by the way, all you uh, liberals here in Illinois who are maybe sympathetic because these are Democrats, think about your what your attitude will be when Donnie Trump, who is about to face a lot of criminal charges, my prediction, starts <laughs> dipping into that campaign treasure chest that he's a mess and is a mass thing right now as he uh, hits up MAGA for contributions. Just think about that for a moment. Uh, you'll be singing a different song <laughs> if it's Donnie Trump who's spending the money uh, on his legal defense. As a, by the way, before we leave this, you must you're probably public enemy number one to all the um, defense lawyers 
in the state of Illinois. What are you doing? This is the golden goose, Adolfo. Well, I got to think that those guys, uh, you know, at those high, uh, highfalutin uh, law firms are like, dude, you're taking away hundreds of thousands of dollars from us. And uh, hey, but what's right is right. Look. All right. Campaign, so like you, campaign expenses. All right. Very good. Let's make the pivot uh, and close and talk a little bit about the politics that have been going on uh, in uh, your neck of the woods. Adolfo Mondragon is a proud uh, son of uh, the southwest side of Chicago, back of the yards, Bright Park, proud graduate of Curie High School, uh, still lives on the southwest side. He's very proud of that fact. Never moved to the north side. Loves his White Sox. And I love the White Sox, too. Uh, but uh, I live on the north side. So um, your neck of the woods, things have changed. They've changed significantly with Michael Joseph Madigan. Uh, for years and years and years, he was the state rep from a district right around Midway Airport. Uh, and he, of course, decided to step down, stepped down as House Speaker, stepped down as Chairman of the Illinois Party, made a royal mess, in my opinion, you may disagree with me, uh, about the process to uh, appoint a successor once he had stepped down as state rep. The guy he picked had to step down for within three days for some uh, mentioned reason. Uh, something he did wrong. And so someone else uh, had to be appointed to replace him. And um, so your thoughts about Michael Joseph Madigan leaving the stage. He was the dominant figure. One of the two, two Irishmen on the Southwest side, Ed Burke and Michael Joseph Madigan were the dominant political figures when you were coming of age politically. What, right. And don't forget about the uh, Lipinskis too, right? So Lipinski. <laughs> oh my goodness. How can I forget the Lipinskis? Uh, they went down as well. These are the people, Adolfo, when you were coming up the ranks, it was William Lipinski, Danny Lipinski, Ed Burke, uh, you know, uh, and Michael Joseph Madigan, giants. And now they're all fading from the scene. Go ahead. Right. Well, you know, it brings to mind a uh, Mexican proverb that basically uh, loosely translated in English is something like, there's no illness or malady that can last 100 years, nor is there a sick person or patient who can withstand it. Right. So basically everything comes to an end at some point. Some things take longer than others. And uh, the Tribune just, I think this past Sunday had a whole thing about how the landscape around the city uh, has changed, including on the Southwest side. And it, it, it definitely has now how much has it changed or, you know, um, has it changed for the better? I think it probably has changed for the better, but has it changed dramatically in terms of, the way politics carries on. That's where I don't know that, uh, you know, that we've left behind the old ways of doing things entirely. And like you mentioned to me, uh, it's not a machine anymore because to, to, to be a machine, you need, you need patronage. And that pretty much has been stamped out. There's probably little, little inklings here and there of, of where maybe a politician has still a pull to get people jobs. Um, particularly like at the city clerk's office or something like that. Right. But, uh, um, but, but so that, that, to that extent, I think that it has changed dramatically, but uh, to the extent that it's the people who have now replaced the Madigans, uh, are they moving forward and, uh, and, and fomenting a style of politics that's dramatically different? You know, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's, if that's really the case. Are they are they um, 
are the people who are replacing them um, uh, advocating uh, more progressive or and or uh, politics that are for the little person? Perhaps. I think you could probably say that. Is it enough? And that's where I think maybe the, you know, the whole thing about the style of politics comes in. Um, and I would tend to say that probably the people who are now taking over the remnants of, of, of the fall of Madigan and Lipinski's and Burks, et cetera, are, are probably in general, uh, you know, uh, doing things a little bit for the better and are, are, are uh, taking care of the person down, uh, you know, the ordinary person a little bit better. But I don't know that the game of politics has changed. I think that the way of picking successors and, and uh, sponsoring new candidates is still kind of in the old way of thinking. It's still very, uh, you know, uh, it's us against them and uh, very protective of my interest versus the public's interest in who I, uh, who I support for this office or that office. It's not like supporting the best talent that's out there. It's like we'll support people who will be my puppets and who will pass on and do whatever my bidding is. And I think that that's, that part of politics is still the same on the Southwest side. I think it's still the same throughout the city of Chicago, actually. It's very transactional, uh, Chicago. The mentality, the Chicago mentality when it comes to politics is very transactional. I do this for you, you do it for me. I'm not even talking about illegal transactional. I'm just talking about swapping. Uh, It's... And then people get mad if you don't do it. And Lori Lightfoot uh, is very much that way. Uh, She's made that clear. Uh, She expects people to support her. When they don't support her, she gets upset at them. And that's just sort of that Chicago mentality uh, that's at play. Uh, I got to get your thoughts on this little piece of delightful irony. Uh, Ed Burke, who many, many years ago, Adolfo briefly uh, worked for. Uh, and I, I always smile when I say that because we did a radio <laughs> show and sometimes I would pick him up to go to the radio station at Ed Burke's office. <laughs> I go, don't tell him I'm picking you up. Okay. <laughs> uh, but um, Ed Burke, of course, machine uh, alderman from way, way back, uh, finance chair, supported every dumb I- idea that any mayor came up with wholeheartedly. Uh, looked the other way as they played all kinds of budget games uh, to uh, use funds intended for Peter to pay Paul, whatever it took, uh, cheered them on, called them all geniuses. Uh, all of a sudden, Ed Burke, of course, gets indicted, falls out of favor. Uh, Lori Lightfoot gets elected mayor in part uh, by using uh, pounding away at Ed Burke like a pinata. Ed Burke somehow or other manages to get reelected in the 14th Ward. Heck of a job, 14th Ward voters. Uh, and suddenly, last week, he takes all that expertise that he had picked up as years and years of finance chair, all that expertise of how mayors sort of play this budget game, moving money around wherever they need to move it to spend it, whether it's intended for that purpose or not, to criticize, I thought very effectively, Lori Lightfoot for spending two hundred and eighty-one million dollars in COVID relief right. on police. Right. <laughs> he goes, "That's not a legitimate a uh, police expense, Madam Mayor." Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't argue with him, Adolfo. I could not right. argue with him. He was absolutely correct, and I had to point out the man is right. He learned a thing or two from Scotty <laughs> Wagaspack. But what a joke. Ed Burke is reformer. Your response, Adolfo, when you saw Ed Burke speaking up as he as though he were Marty Oberman or Dick Simpson or Scotty Wagsback. Go ahead. 
Well, you know, the first thing that surprised me was the fact that he actually spoke up because he's been silent for, um, you know, since this uh, new administration began, except for the first, maybe the first meeting where he had it out with, uh, with Lori Lightfoot. She basically told him to shut up and sit down. Um, I think, I think that he's been pretty quiet. So that's the first thing that surprised me, uh, that, that he couldn't articulate a, a, a reasonable and good argument doesn't surprise me because the man is very intelligent and, you know, he's been around and he has amassed a lot of uh, not only experience but uh, wisdom. How he uses that experience and wisdom, however, in the past, you know, is, uh, you know, is debatable depending on your political view or, or your stance in, in the local politics. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's irony there, right, because this is the kind of issue that, would be a no-brainer for Burke in the past to argue in defense of Lori Lightfoot. This is the kind of thing that he often defended, and now all of a sudden he's articulating our good arguments against it. Um, you know, it 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 really is ironic in that sense because uh, you know it's it's the the tables turned. But the thing you have to understand about Burke is that you know he's a guy who is an old school Edmund Edmund Burke. Uh, is it Edmund Burke? The old uh, a uh, 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 law legal scholar who uh, who basically said that what what was the quote that, that there's no that there's, there's no uh, permanent uh, uh, enemies, enemies only permanent in, interests interests exactly right and so today you know somebody who should have been your ally or whatever uh, can be your enemy and you can easily turn around from being on one side to another based on whatever the interest is at the moment and here it's in his interest to. Uh, you know, get a little retribution against uh, against Lori Lightfoot, who, like you said, you know, rode into office beating them up like a piñata, and uh, during that first council meeting, uh, made it a point to uh, to denigrate Burke. And so, I think he's taking delight in the fact that even as his, uh, you know, he's at the sunset of his the end of his career, he can still stand up and take some pretty good shots back at the mayor. Yeah, I think it. Uh, you, you said something before we went air that I was thinking about. Like, uh, usually when Ed Burke makes a maneuver or a play, it's because he has a, a particular interest in mind. Like, so he's doing again. That's that Chicago transactional mentality. Ed Burke has it. Uh, Rahm Emanuel has it. Uh, you know, like I'm not gonna. Uh, there's I'm doing X Y Z because I expect something for it. It's never about a principle. It's never about you know the a belief. It's like, I'm going to get something out of it. I really can't see what he got out of being a public nuisance uh, to Lori Lightfoot other than annoying Lori Lightfoot. And I right, think well, that may you know, be Don't underestimate needed. personal satisfaction, right? I mean, particularly at where he's sitting, situated now at his stage of his career, you know? I mean, look, the man, the man has gotten everything he's ever wanted throughout his career, right? I mean, there really isn't anything more material or you know, otherwise that, you know, he could, I mean, he could probably still yearn for more, more of it, but he's gotten it all that he's anyone could, could ever ask for in his career. So now maybe just some personal gratification is, is giving him enough joy to do this stuff. I don't know. Yeah, that could be it. Uh, it could be nothing more uh, than that. But I got to say, I had a big smile on my face and we talked a lot about it on the show, Adolfo. And I was like, can't argue with him. They are really taking for Peter to pay Paul. But, of course, he didn't have anything to say about it when Mayor Daly was doing it, when Mayor Rob. Right, right, right. Anyway, Adolfo, I'm going to let you go. Uh, We um, appreciate you coming on the show. We're going to bring you back, win or lose, 
If yeah. you lose the case, you're coming back. Uh, we're going to make you sing uh, whatever the Columbia fight song well, there's is. No, there's always the Illinois Supreme Court, right? So, <laughs> And I'm sure Ann Burke, who is a member of the Supreme Court, will uh, have to s- sit out that one, right? Right, right. Put, well, that, uh, I think that that would be obvious. You'd have to uh, recuse yourself. Recuse yourself. That is the word, yes. Right. But I'm so happy that, we, just, uh, that, that we'll come back uh, in good shape. It's just a matter of – remember, I have three shots at the apple. But I really want that big win, the one which will change the landscape for all of Illinois. All right, I have to say something. Uh, I don't know if it's the COVID shot that you got before I got mine, but you went through this entire interview without dropping the F-bomb. You proved (laughs) (laughs) Dennis and myself wrong. Uh, So either it's a new Adolfo, uh, or like I said, it's just temporary because the COVID uh, shot has pacified you. No, I like uh, to be a little unpredictable there once in a while, right? Once in a while. (laughs) Remember to never forget the time you came in. Literally came (laughs) Into the studio, <laughs> you had heard something that one of my, my guests had said before you got there. Something I had said, and you, oh, that is beep. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's the record, right? That's the yeah, record. That was the record. No, but you dropped it before you sat down. I'm like, that's the record. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. All right, uh, Dolfo, we're gonna go to a White Sox game this year. I feel it. I got my first shot. You got your. You have two, hey, or did you get one? And seriously, if I get opening uh, opening uh, week uh, tickets, are you up for it or not? I, I I don't think I'll have my second shot in time for opening day. But uh, I'm talking June. <laughs> What's that? I'm talking to yeah, uh, I'm not playing, man. I'm waiting till that thing, the shot kicks in. I'm going to go out and see the White Sox. I'm really excited about well, it. Well, I got year, season tickets year. this year, so we're, we'll definitely go. All right, that's a great Adolfo Mondragon. Uh, thanks so much, Adolfo, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Dennis. What's up, man? Shout out to my brother. Hey. All right. Thanks All for right, not cursing. I'll, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, see you later. Take bud. care, Adolfo. All right, do you got any updates before we head out that door? Oh, here's an update. Not one curse word from Adolfo. How crazy was that? Uh, we, you know, you with your 47, me with my 26, or maybe it was the other way around. Uh, he proved us you wrong. You know what? He may make Lumpen Radio this Friday. That's right, guys. Really? We're on Lumpen Radio 105.5, <laughs> which I believe airs in Bridgeport uh, Fridays uh, at 12 p.m. Just a one-hour show. Uh, I take a a pre-recorded interview, uh, one where people don't curse, so I don't have to put too much work into it, and uh, then I throw it up there. Hey, maybe Adolfo made it this week. There was no cursing. I didn't curse. He didn't curse. Nobody cursed. Uh, so uh, he proved me wrong. He proved me wrong. And hey, Ben, you know what? Our experiment here went off without a hitch. I'm downstate. You're in Chicago. Uh, the internet's working just fine. We did it. That's great. Yeah, we did it. You know, we may we just, have, uh, let's just call it early to quit while we're ahead. You know what? Let me just check real quick with the newsroom. Make sure we don't have anything. Hang tight. Let me run in there. Hey, guys, come on. <laughs> Give me a story. Yeah, it's my mom's apartment. Don't touch anything. <laughs> Nothing. We, we have no updates. Move the news newsroom from your apartment to your, were they in the back of the Ferrari? When yeah, you drove they, down came, there? they tagged along. They followed. <laughs> Uh, that's all. Well, this proves that we'll be uh, doing our remotes from Hawaii in about uh, a year. Okay. You know? well, once again, if you're going to Hawaii, I'm going to Hawaii. All right. We'll both be in the same area. So that's not, not, not going to be happening. 
But hey, remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J. Bonus interviews, and so much more, chicagoreader.com uh, or wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. All right. Send us an email, bennyjshow at gmail.com, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from. If you'd like us to read your email on the show, Dragon Slayer 19 sent us an email. Ben, I'm going to send that your way. Maybe we'll read it on tomorrow's program. Uh, and you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's true. 708-658-4788. That number again. 708-658-4788. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show. Leave us a voicemail. There's a good chance we will play that voicemail on the program. Become a Ben head. That's an avid listener of the Ben Jarofsky show. There's three ways you could do it. Go to Ben Jarofsky or ChicagoReader.com slash Ben Jarofsky or just Jarofsky. J-O-R-A-V as in victory. S-K-Y. Uh, donate if you want. If not, it's fine. Just keep listening to the Ben Jarofsky show. It's all good. Don't worry about it. All right, I want to thank Adolfo Lundergan doing a great job as he always does. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Alton, Illinois, without hoping the show would be possible. And as Mama Vicky, Uncle Eldon, and Aunt Cindy will all tell you, back home at Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. I want an answer.